You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 19, all about church growth that involves everyone. Let's do it. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now let's join your host, Seth Muse, who believes we gave up on steam power too soon. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, and today I've got an exciting conversation with you that I really can't wait to get to. So I'm going to make a few announcements real quick, and then we're going to get to it. Uh, if you want to get to the show notes of all the content from today, you can find that at sethmuse.com slash 19, just the number 19. So go to there and find all the links that we're going to talk about. My guest today is Kenny Jang and Kenny is an entrepreneur and basically does everything. And so you're going to hear a little bit about his ministry, but if you're interested in church growth strategies that involve all of your people that get everybody on the same way, wavelength and cast vision really well, Kenny's got like nine suggestions on how you can do that today that we're going to go through together. I'm really excited about, um, before we get to that one quick announcement. I want to let you guys know about something really exciting for me. I know I've said excited three times. It's because I am excited. I'm not trying to overuse the word, be like that cool guy, but I am excited about this. And here it is. Starting this week, I'm going to go weekly with this podcast until the end of May. That means I'm going to put out one episode every Tuesday, every week for the next couple of weeks until the end of May. And the reason is because I'm just brimming with things to say, right? I want to see if it's possible. Uh, I'd love to see this podcast grow. And so to test the waters a little bit, we're going to see if how this, see how it goes. So you can join me on this journey. I'm excited to have you along. That's another excited. That's too many excited. That's I'm really pumped, bro to have you guys with me. So without further ado, here's my bro that I'm also pumped about, uh, Kenny Jang, and he's going to talk with us today about through his blog and through some things he's, he's taught on about how to involve your people in the church growth process. A lot of times we try to bring in strategies and implement things that really don't have buy-in or they don't have the people involved. And Kenny is really great at that. He's a social media guru. He's a leadership guy. And man, if you want to check his blog out at KennyJang.com, it'll be in the show notes. So you, you can go there and get all kinds of great content. So I'll shut up and stop making this podcast longer than it has to be. Here we go with Kenny Jang. Well, hey, everybody. On the podcast today, I have a good friend of mine that I've been connecting with online. Uh, named Kenny, well, hang on, let me stop. Kenny, I want to make sure I say your last name right. Jang? Jang. Okay, got it. All right, good. All right, starting over. You can say anything you want as long as you're not yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> Am I yelling? Am I yelling as right long now? As you're not scolding me for doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you know, no promises. So <laughs> let's get going here. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a, a guest today that I've connected with online in several different spaces that has become a good friend. His name is Kenny Zhang. Kenny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me today, Seth. Hey, uh, I, I, I know you're up, you're up in Jersey, right? Is that where you technically are? Jersey, New yes, York. Yes, we are. We, so we call it the um, bedroom-facing communities of Manhattan. So we're right outside of New York City, but um, Jersey is the Garden State. You should come on and visit sometime. Actually, I have been in Jersey. When I came to New York last, uh, I think the first time for a previous job, we stayed on the Jersey side right on the water. Is that where you are? 
uh, not too far. Uh, next time you come, you definitely should hook up. But yes, and looking to the Manhattan skyline is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I love New York. New York's one of my favorite places to to be. And you know, I'd never been to New Jersey when we went, and I thought, and you know, and I have, I've never, I have no idea about New Jersey, you know. Uh, but I'll, I'll be yeah. honest, I was very surprised at just how pretty it was. I mean. You know, most people's context is probably Jersey Shore, you know, for, for New Jersey that hasn't been there. You know what I mean? And so you go in and go, huh, all right, this, this is a nice place. This is really great. So yes. it, was, uh, it was beautiful. And the next time you visit, I'll bring you to the um, Bedminster Trump National Golf Course. Oh, really? Uh, which now has some significance. Um, and the, the highway gets shut down. Many times now, um, as the no longer president-elect <laughs> president wow. uh, decides to go on a whim to his golf course once in a while. Man, if are, what are the woods at that golf course like? Because that's where I'm going to spend most of my time if we go. <laughs> <laughs> you and me together, Seth. You and me together. I am a gifted get-out-of-the-woods guy. Like, I can thread a shot with sniper precision from the woods. But when I'm out on the actual fairway, it's like everybody get it, everybody duck, <laughs> everybody oh, duck. You're maybe someone like me. I'm a gifted golf range, uh, driving range uh, golfer. Oh really? <laughs> Everybody's good on the range. It's so fun on the range. Have you ever? Do you guys have like Top Golf there? Yes, we, they just opened one. Oh man, that's like my favorite kind of golf. I don't I ever play golf, but I love Top Golf. It's like a video game. I get to be in a video game. It's pretty great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I, I've been wanting to get with you for a while. I, I see a lot of the stuff that you're doing. And just for the people that haven't you know, connected with you yet, tell me a little bit about your journey, like how you landed where you are and, and kind of what you're doing now. And let's get a quick snapshot of, of your, your ministry and your, your businesses and stuff. Sure. I think the clip note version might be that my background is I'm an entrepreneur and communicator have worked for years in the marketplace in ad agency on the Fortune 100 brand side, um, doing PR, uh, direct marketing, um, was a partner in a dot-com a virtual catalyst incubator helping startups um, really uh, get up to speed with their brand strategies uh, globally and um, had the opportunity to go back to the, the seminary. So went to Princeton Seminary, got an MDiv, came out and um, have been serving in pastor roles uh, for the last several years um, and putting the, my marketplace experience to work. Um, I was um, brought on board Liquid Church most recently as the pastor of media and innovation, helped them get on the map uh, with earned media traditional PR, um, also took on the role of the church online pastor where we had uh, five services a week and attracted 2,000, about 2,400, 2,500 people weekly to our services online as the church offline grew um, to uh, now six campuses across the state of New Jersey. Wow. Uh, and so it's been a wild ride uh, and all the while consulting for nonprofits, cause-driven, and uh, faith-based organizations in, in strategic and content marketing. Wow. That is a ton of stuff you've been involved with. Right now, I know you've got a lot of things going on, too. You've launched a couple of online platforms and businesses. So tell us a little bit about what those are. Yeah. So in my work with denominations and churches across the country, I realized 
Um, and I looked up the stat and that at this point, um, more than 50% of our country's churches have 100 attendees or less. Um, and yet yeah. the big conferences and resources and, and you know, products out there are really trying to serve the mid or larger, you know, the, the mega churches and the solo pastor ministries are forgotten. And so um, I have a heart to help and uh, leverage all the giftings and skill sets that I've learned in the marketplace to really lift up the smaller ministries. And so we've uh, pulled together a platform called Church Butler. Uh, it's available at www.butler.church, and that's meant to be a support system for churches, really smaller ones, uh, on the social and digital front. So we're going to have done-for-you social media content. There's going to be training for the staff and volunteers. Um, we're going to have some other resources available there. And uh, we've gotten some good feedback and reception from um, the churches out there across the country. And the other one is generositylabs.org, which is... Um, it's it's in its infancy, but it's meant to be a clearinghouse for education about digital giving and online giving. Uh, that's the other big heart that I have is um, the offering plate is going away. People are, when was the last time you wrote a check? Um, and yet people in the church, you know, are forcing the parishioners and attendees to write checks and bring cash to the offering plate. And just, it just doesn't happen anymore. So, yeah. um, digital giving is something we all need to grapple with across the country if we're going to survive as, uh, we go forward. Yeah. And I think you hit on it. Exactly. That's kind of my heart too. I think it's why we connect so well. I just, I think that you're right. A lot of those tools are geared towards large churches with big budgets and these small churches with very little budget and one staff member, two staff members, it's it's very difficult. I've worked in those. I mean, that's that's about half of my career. I've been in churches of 100 people or so. And man, I, the struggle is real. So especially when you're talking about online giving, I mean, not just being able to afford that, knowing how to do that on your website is yes. is a whole bunch of hidden fees that you're not kind of expecting. Paying the web developer, getting your website up to date, you know, making it available for your people advertising it and then actually getting it to work and hook up with bank accounts and all that stuff. It's just so much that a lot of pastors, I mean, we're just not wired to think that way. So oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And you know, the millennials and the generation after that now, everyone pays it. If we went out to lunch or split the check, I wouldn't even pay you cash or anything like that. It'd be, I'd send you, uh, you know, via Venmo or PayPal or electronic means it, you know, we don't use cash anymore in our society. Our culture is going cashless. And so, um, taking that into consideration with the business model of the church, I think is so critical. Yeah. I mean, I have a jar on my, on my dresser for loose change where I collect it, you know, and then later when you fill it up, you go and, and get all the cash for it. Right. And I used to do that for cash and I still do, but in the years past, it's like, I'd fill it up in a year and I'd take it in it'd be like a hundred bucks. And now it's been three years and I still can't fill it up. <laughs> I can't exactly. fill it up. You know, it's like it's just, we just don't use the coins, especially. We don't use the paper really that much either, <clears throat> unless you're on the Dave Ramsey envelope thing, you know, or something like that. You know, you're really not using cash. So I think that's a really, uh, I mean, churches are struggling with that. So I love what you're doing. I love this idea. And I think when we start focusing on those little churches uh, that have smaller congregations, you know, they're, they're, they're doing great work. It's just they need help, and and all of them want to grow. I mean, no, I don't think any church that really understands the Great Commission wants to stay the size that they are. They want to reach more people. They don't want to shuffle church members, but they want to reach 
new people. Um, anytime you think about growth, do you think that's at all like an entrepreneurial type thing? You kind of start from more like a church plant, even when you're already 150, 200 people. I mean, what are your thoughts about church growth and how that looks and the strategy for a small church? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the numbers of um, where pastors are today, you know, they're kind of surprising. So many pastors are depressed. So many pastors feel isolated. So many, And I think it's probably because they've gotten into these positions and over the years they've realized at the end of the day that seminary did not prepare them for what is essentially operation of a small business and enterprise. And it's not just about being a herald and a preacher of the word and people come through your door automatically. Um, culture has changed. You have to be proactive and be on the offense with your communications. So I think um, church growth is something that all leaders in, in leadership development need to struggle with today in a very different way than five, even 10 years ago. Um, and uh, quite frankly, I think it's um, some simple perspectives and approaches to how they look at their job and ministry and vocation that really make the difference between churches that grow and the churches that don't. Yeah. And speaking of that, what, what's the difference? What's like a fundamental difference between some of those strategies and churches that are growing churches that are not? Yeah. So, uh, for, for me, as I've been trying to, um, really work with churches over the years, there's a couple of key core tenants that I've come down to. And in terms of perspective, there's one where the obvious one is inward versus outward. If you are, um, have a point of view that's just facing inward and, and helping your church members only, then I think that's a big problem. Um, you know, a lot of people in the church will count it as a success when you have church events that are fully attended by all the members of your church. But if there are no new people that are coming as an addi addition to those meetings, um, I really challenge leaders out there today is if that really is a success and is that really a good use of your resources if you're not doing things that are explicitly outward and external focused like when you were younger and starting that church plant or like when you started that um, job for the first time in a, in a younger church. Um, I think people get too comfortable and it's that holy huddle that we want to break. It's a, mm -hmm. it's common, but um, I think that's something that most pastors do not see in themselves. They're not self-aware when that creep has gotten to the point where it's too far. Yeah, I agree. And so for the churches that are growing, I mean, you definitely see a lot more involvement from the people. There's something, there's a, there's a vision that's, that's caught that they get it and, the, and it becomes an outwardly focused thing. Like you're saying, I mean, so if we want to involve our people, you wrote a blog about nine things that you could do to involve your people in this, in this vision, in this growth strategy for a church that would, that's stronger. It's always stronger to have more people involved, right? I mean, two heads are better than one and 10 heads are better than two, right? So, you know, you want to make sure you have your people involved. So let's talk through some of those things about the suggestions you might have for churches that, yeah. You know, I mean, even before we start that list, I think the perspective here is, you know, as I do consulting and coaching for churches across the country, um, one of the, you know, the early hooks they, they'll call me upon, I just had two this morning, two calls from random pastors that found on my, my blog, et cetera, and they're saying, what I really need help is with is our social media. We really don't understand social media, and if I just figured that uh, nut to crack, then I know for a fact that we'd grow. 
And um, my pushback there is even though that's, you know, my vocation and that's my specialty in communications and social digital, relying on your social networks is the wrong thing. That is not what grows your church. It's a big red herring out there. And I really hope that we can do something to dispel that today. And it's your people's networks, IRL. You know how we say IRL on the webs, right? In real life. Yeah. The church's social networks, the people's social networks in real life is what will really um, be the growth engine of your church. So you're, you got to think of your church growth strategy is um, not about what's happening in your building. It, your church and your headquarters of your building is not the nexus. It's not the starting point of everything. It is the 100 points of light. If you've got a church with 100 families— each of those homes are where the church engine is going to grow from, their social networks, their friends and families. And, and so getting those people invested in your mission, in your culture, and understanding um, that it's not just about evangelizing in terms of, um, you know, megaphone evangelizing on the street corners, um, that it's done through relationships. That, I think, is the one of the fundamental keys that church pastors really need to take in and, and digest before we see gro real growth happen in any ministry. Yeah, I agree completely. And what I love about the church I serve at now, we have, um, we've just started launching and we've launched it for a while, but we've been talking about these six, what we were calling crossroads where people already are and how they can be on mission for the yes. gospel where they already are. You know, one of them is like we're in my kid's world. One of them is where I work. One of them is in these, these places like uh, this area near our church where we already have a mission church kind of going on. Um, one is at the school UTD, which is right next to us, real close by with college students and international students, actually. Um, so there's a, we've identified these and said, Hey, here's all these crossroads. Here's how you can be on mission is where you already are. So it's kind of like nobody really has an excuse not to be on a mission because we're all in one of those places. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah. A, going after the felt needs in your community yeah. and your relationships, that's where the magic's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's funny when I hear people kind of push back on it. Like, you know, it's really a strange conversation. Like, it really boils down to don't tell me what to do. And you're like, well, you know, we're not. That's what Jesus told us to do. It's like we're just kind of relaying the message and giving you a way to live it out. So it's really weird that people still want to push back on that. But it's a matter of that vision being cast and catching that, that we're going out. We're not going to oh, be definitely. an inside even, church. Even this morning, I was tweeting back and forth with Tony Morgan on his blog. There was a, <laughs> a great post, um, and it was about this guy who kept on asking his friend to church over the years, multiple times, and the yeah. guy never comes. And he gets into it and asks the guy, why don't you come to my church? And, and the response from the friend was, you keep inviting me to church, but you've never invited me to your home. Yeah. That's wow. pretty powerful. It is, especially if you're already friends. That's kind of odd. Let's go. To, <laughs> you know, it's like if we're friends and, and this is another podcast altogether. I really think hospitality is, is gone by the wayside in part, in part because of our stress on digital and relationships. We're like, Hey, I'll be your best friend from over there. Right. You know, it's like that old, uh, you know, saying that goes, you know, introverts are going to unite, you know, separately and in their own homes. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of that digital world has caused a lot of that really uh, to, to stiff arm, kind of keep people back. I, for one, love digital relationships. I, I think they encourage relationships, but it's about how you use it, I guess. You know, it's that strategy. It's that 
that vision for it. Well, let, let's talk about these um, some of these op- suggestions for involving your people and, and obviously casting vision and giving them tools for it. And these are just kind of some tools, some ways that you might be able to cast vision and, and give them opportunities to be on mission with you. So tell Definitely. us, what's the first suggestion you have? Yeah, I, th- I think the first one is looking at any new visitors that come into the building, right? We I, I, Every church calls it differently. It's the connection card or it's the survey, it's the visitor's card, et cetera. Um, getting volunteers to be involved with that process of not just collecting them, but praying over them as well as sending written follow-up notes to every single person that visits your church. I think that personal touch is lost in today's digital age, and it really does stand out. I've got people who have told me that the first note that I've sent via postcard, so if you think about it, postcard's not even that much space. Yeah, right. One guy has said to me three years later, he pinned it to his uh, bulletin board at work, and he looks at it every single day since. That's pretty powerful. Uh, I've never thought that that little thank you note for coming to church uh, would have that much meaning, right? Who, who, right? who keeps a postcard? You throw it away after you read it, right? And yet this person has kept it on his bulletin board. It's that much meaning that someone cares, someone noticed, and someone wants them to be a part of the community. And so praying over um, all the visitors, because I think we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. you got to keep on remember that, that there's yeah. a divine appointment here. And second is that... Following up with written uh, thank you notes, I think, is uh, a great way to involve your volunteers. Yeah, their handwritten thing is so novel now. I mean, nobody does it, you know. And and when somebody takes the time to go, hey, I'm going to specifically write this to you, it's like there is no way that's a form letter. You know, there is no way that's a mass-produced thing. That is a personal touch. That's really great. Well, tell us about the second suggestion you have. Second one is, um, I you know, I was thinking that, you know, um, one of the things that people have a hard time is inviting people. We know that 80% of people that go to church know it's their responsibility to invite a friend, but only something like 46% actually do in the last six months. So less than half of your people are actually falling through. It's because you're not giving them a conversation piece, a device that's easy to point to that makes it uh, happen. And so why not host a Back to Church Sunday or an open house Sunday, something that gives your people an excuse to bring it up with their friends and family that don't go to church and say, hey, uh, our church is having this open house thing. It's for visitors. It's for people who have never been to church and want to see what it's like. I'd love for you to just come and see what our family does. Um, That type of occasion or event makes it easier for your people to invite their friends. And so hosting that type of event is something I think it's easy to do for any ministry that's listening today. Yeah, I think that's true. We're doing a Super Bowl Sunday kind of thing with food trucks and stuff. You know, it's just, it's a great opportunity. I mean, giving them something to say, hey, it's not just church. Because a lot of people will hear church and go, nah, no thanks, like your friend did, you know. But if it's something else, something you know, extra, something that, is the hook, I guess, the, the call to action, you know, that we want to give them that they want, you know, that's, that's definitely a lot easier to get people to be able to go, okay, now I have something to really talk about. That's not as awkward as absolutely. I would absolutely. like to come sit for an hour in a room and sing songs you don't know about a guy you don't believe in and listen to a dude talk for 30 minutes. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. Well, so what's number three? Uh, next one is actually, have a rotation for your volunteer hospitality team on Sunday morning. So do you have greeters 
augment that team, make it larger, get everyone involved. And this is something that, I mean, I don't want to be chauvinistic or anything, but um, this is something that the guys can do, right? The people that are reluctant to volunteer for anything at church, put on a name tag and just say, hello, welcome. Um, if you have greeters, you have hospitality teams, augment it. Get people out there in the parking lots. Get people out, you know, in in, in the hallways. Really help people get involved in the explicit job of greeting people and saying hello. It's so hard to say hello to every single person that you walk by today. Uh, just try it as an exercise. Saying hello to every stranger that you walk by in the mall or the office or the school, any place. Um, it's really hard getting volunteers to be in that habit and the excuse of being able to do that will help them offline where they're out and about in the real life to strike with those conversations, to be comfortable with new people. Absolutely. All right. So what take us to number five. Sorry, number um, four. I think that one of the things the church um, of a smaller size tends to lose out on sometimes is the actual outreach for the community. And so I really prescribe this to every single church first if they really want to grow is plan an outreach project where they're, they're volunteers from your church doing work out in the community. The purpose is not to bring people to your church building. We're no longer in the ABC church world where it's all about being attractional. It's about the building and just asking people for cash, money, right? Yeah. We want your people to go out, be scattered. So we want your church people to be volunteers with or with other organizations in the community for the sole purpose of getting to know other people in your town, in your community. Um, you got to remember the purpose isn't explicit evangelizing but rather relationship building. Um, you want your church to have much more visibility and your members to have visibility across your community. Yeah, and I think your next couple of, of suggestions really go into that outwardly focused relationship building, community involvement, um, which I think is great. And it's, it's, de it's the definition of explosion versus implosion. You know, and you don't want your church to implode, right? You want your church to explode. You want it to, <laughs> exactly. and to do that, you have to go out. You can't go in and focus inward. So number five, uh, tell yeah, us about I, that. So my, when we moved into our town, the township actually did this for us, and they do it every year. And I heard one year that they were having trouble trying to find space for it. And I felt like, wow, what if a church hosted this? So what if you had a quarterly new residence night that is held in the community center and you are the facilitator of it? Either it's held at your church if you have a good centrally located, you know, if you have a gym or if you have a nice big um, room cafeteria or something in your church building that could host it doesn't have to be that big because how many new residents are moving into your town at any given quarter? Uh, maybe it's once every half year or once a year. But the whole point is welcoming brand new residents into um, a central location for events and then get all the town's services together. Uh, for our event, for our local community, we had the library there so they can issue library cards to the adults and the kids on the spot. Um, we had summer nice. camps in town there. We had the people who were giving out the pet licenses. Uh, we had the people from the recycling center give out recycling calendars. Um, some local gyms came and gave out trial memberships. Uh, the, I believe the mayor or one of the town council people were there just to greet people and um, chatted up with people. Police were there to actually, um, uh, what, what do you call it, engrave security things on kids' bicycles or kids' oh, electronics cool. like iPods. Um, and so... 
Imagine if you had that type of service for new residents and your church was the facilitator or even the host of something like that. Um, yeah. I think it's something where you have a captive audience and it's something that's completely of service to the community. Yeah, I, I, that's great. And one thing about that, I want to see, where do you find who those new residents are? Like, how can you go find out who, because I, I think there's a way to do that, right? In your cities? Yeah, there's, so first of all, if you get the town involved, I think they're the ones who can easily identify, um, you know, um, the new residents. If you get the realtors involved, um, they, they obviously the ones who are selling new yeah. properties. Um, and then there are mailing lists that actually, um, local mailing houses that can tell you based on mortgage sales, et cetera, who the new residents of any town are. And even for other, uh, marketing communications programs, you can buy those lists and send direct mail or postcards to people who have moved in, in the last 60 days or so yeah. uh, to invite them to your church. I want to say like, you can go actually to your, not municipal building, but your, your central government building. And just ask. And I think there's a list somebody has of like all the new residents within a range they can give you. You might even be able to get that for free. I can't remember where it is. I just remember somebody talking about that. So that's a, that's a, somebody just look into that and possibly. Yeah, I know, I know house sales data is public information. So, um, so it's easy to get the info. You just have to kind of dig a little bit. Correct. Correct. Again, it's being proactive and trying to bring the community together to serve your new neighbors and residents. Yeah, I love that idea of the residence night. I mean, that's so cool. Just make it a big party and fun and, you know, something for the community and just let people know, hey, we're we're here. What do you need? Just let us know. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our one I remember had people even from the preschool there um, and the elementary school. Some of the teachers or the principal was there. And so if your family is coming for the first time, and that was one of the selling points that um, meet some of the teachers or meet some of the new, new people in the schools that your kids are going to get to know. Right. So th- yeah. that's always a draw for new families. Yeah. Awesome. Well, number six. Um, I, th- I think the churches, um, I think they subscribe to the separation of church and state too much. Agreed. Um, and so I encourage pastors to really make s- some relationships with the local schools. Um, see how your church can actually serve the needs of your school. Uh, it, an easy program is tutoring or mentoring big brothers. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the types of services that almost any principal of any school district has that need. And you've got the people and volunteers to to do that on a regular basis. Yeah. You might want to find out who that principal is and see if they go to church anywhere. You know, you may, I may find out they go to, I mean, in our church, the principal of one of our local high schools, which is huge, is a very active Twitter follower of ours and member of ours. So there's a way to connect with him pretty much at any moment of the day, you know, and if that you have that kind of inroad, man, it's like, why not, you know, find out what you can do, send your people over there, get them involved. That's great. So yeah. number seven, uh, this one's related. Um, teachers are the ones that are underpaid, overworked, um, and they're the ones who are also in touch with all the families in your community. Um, why not sponsor a free teacher appreciation breakfast or a snack station? Um, my buddy, uh, church planter, Peter Goeski of Hope City Church down in Sarasota, Florida, when he was starting up the church, um, he partnered with the local school district. And all they did is they did simple things like um, a granola snack station one day. They had like 20 different items, had bags with scoopers. And uh, the volunteers brought it up, set it up, brought flowers, made it nice and pretty. 
made sure that the teachers know that the community loves them. Um, and then they coordinated time to, you know, clean up and pack it up as well. It was a hit. Um, in fact, I think the principals uh, are they're doing it again multiple times because how often uh, do the teachers get loved on by the community yeah. for the hard work that they do? Yeah, you could even take like easy things like Thanksgiving and Christmas and just go in and do like, hey, we're going to provide a lunch for you one day. And then some of our people are going to go watch your class, you know, while you're at this lunch for an extra hour to have a kind of free time, you know, while you're at school, you know, if the principal will approve it, which I'm sure they would. You know, there's it's so easy to get in there and find new ways to love those people into oh, definitely. You know, and, and the thing I want to say here, though, is um, I've had this conversation with a couple of pastors, and uh, one of the, one of the things that will come is, but what's in it for us, right? Like, how are we going to get the, those teachers to come to our church or tell the families about a church? And I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point is to get your volunteers to be in a mode of giving, in a mode of serving, in a mode of interaction with your community members. Get them in a regular routine of doing that, and over time, it will become natural for them to have a posture and orientation to serve their own neighbors on their own street, and those conversations will become organic. Yeah, and I think that's true, too, because our this very sav- digitally savvy culture, we, we see marketing coming from a mile away. You know, it's like, what do you really want? You know, you're doing this for me. What am I going to have to do for you? It's like, hey, free thing online. No, I'm going to have to give you something. You know, what do you want? You want my email address? You want my info? What do you want? You know, there's, it's like we see it. We know it. We recognize it. And so when somebody comes in and goes, no, I just wanted to do this for you. It's like, hang on. Hold on. What's, yeah, it's a little strange, what's, right? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what, are you a cult? Are you weird? You know, like you don't, you're not asking me for something. What's going on? And so it's like, no, we just, this is what Jesus would do. So I think that's great. Let's look at number eight. Uh, next one I think is, hey, look, every town um, or community or county um, has some sort of um, fair or um, festival or something, street fair or something like that. Yeah. Rent a table. Be involved. Support the town. Um, actually pay money to show up. But the second part of that suggestion is don't go there again to be promotional and marketing your church. Just be fun and interactive and engaging with the community. Set up a dunk tank. Um, do some, um, you know, uh, crafts with the kids. Find find ways to in, be involved with the community where it's not off-putting for anybody to step into your booth. Again, that you want to show that your people are normal, real people, that you're not just these weirdos that go to this church building that you have no idea what it is that they drive by every single week, yeah, right? right. Uh, be a part of the community. Be fun-loving and attractional by that nature. Again, those conversations will happen organically. Don't be stressed out about it. And I think on your social strategy for your church, this is the, the value of like a retweet. It's like you don't get anything out of a retweet. You retweet other people's stuff. They appreciate it, but you don't really get anything for it except, hey, I just helped you out. Or actually, I was listening to uh, Van Baird talk to Brady Shearer on his podcast, his old episode, and he was talking about how his real estate company actually took out an ad for one of their customers and did a, a quick little boost or a post or something like that online for them. And then it's like, hey, we just want to help you out. Like, what the heck, man? <laughs> you know, that's really a cool thing. When you do that in your community, you just show up for things. I think that's I think that's a great, 
uh, connection point for just bringing value to your community and showing them you love them. All right. So our last step, uh, tell us what is the number step number nine or suggestion number nine. Yeah. The last suggestion I think is this is where, um, it is in the DNA of the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, one easy way to do that is talk to your local schools, talk to the local PTA and coordinate with them because what happens is it's these circumstances of life, um, where it's a death in the family or divorce or an injury or hospital stay or some crisis that happens for families in the community. And this is where the church can mobilize and become volunteers where you help deliver meals for a week for the family or do a visitation or um, help with rides with the kids to to and from school because sometimes, especially when hospitals involved, the parents are occupied and can't be at home for childcare. Being the hands and feet of Jesus that way is something that um, in a mercy perspective um, the local PTA, the local school is a great partner to have where, um, again, don't evangelize, don't use it as the opportunistic. You got to resist that. I think a lot of churches are desperate for growth and they, they try to use that opportunity, but no, do it in terms of, look, we're the church we're selling our, the product that we sell is grace, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, um, unwarranted love, it, it, no strings attached. We need to give everyone a taste of that, what it looks like. And so this is the same thing. When someone's in a crisis, you want to be there for them. You want to just be present. You want to help them and support them and lift them up. I think this is, it's a great opportunity for you to reach out and partner. Again, don't do it all yourself. Don't pay others to do it. Get your families and ministry volunteers involved to do this. Yeah, I think that's great. That's your tweetable moment right there, everybody. What we sell is grace. And our job is to give people a taste of it. I think that's great. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, thanks so much. This is an incredible list of of just simple suggestions I think that people can really use and just implement pretty immediately. So is there anything you would add to this? Any parting shots on this uh, subject of growth? This this list is not meant to be exhaustive, uh, comprehensive, or even the top priority. It's meant to be um, like a sounding board conversation to Mm -hmm. get your you know, creative juices flowing. I think it's uh, something that you can use as a list to print out and actually share with your uh, staff or volunteer members and see what else can we do? What fun or creative things that can we do with the volunteer and ministry and attendees? And, and, and don't be shy of lighting up new volunteers. Asking new people to step into the role to do this kind of stuff is only going to help mobilize more of your people. And again, light up the social networks of your community attendees in real life. That's great. Well, tell us where we can connect with you online. How do people get more of the Kenny Jang? <laughs> um, I'm blogging uh, at this point three times a week at KennyJang.com. Um, love to interact on Twitter. Uh, same thing. You can find me on Twitter at Kenny Jang. Uh, again, it's social media. I love interacting, engaging with people. So please reach out. Let's start the conversation um, and have some fun. All right. Well, great. Thanks, Kenny, so much. Uh, I think it's been awesome. So I know this brings a lot of value to our listeners. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Great to be here. Love everything that you're doing, Seth. Appreciate that. All right, guys, we'll be back in about two weeks. So thanks for listening and we're out of here. See you.